Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. In addition to the Department of Veterans Affairs missions of Veterans Healthcare, Veterans Benefits, and National Cemeteries, is one that many Americans might not realize exists that it serves as a backup health system during a crisis or other national emergency when civilian hospitals might overflow. That function is what the VA calls its fourth mission. The agency activated this function April 14th in response to a national call for help for Americans during the COVID-19 outbreak. It offered a number of beds available for FEMA, care for civilian patients, and for those in nursing homes, and reaching patients wherever they live. Part of this effort includes many tech advancements like telehealth, We spoke to CIO Jim Jaffer on this incredible mission and how it's impacting the information and technology at the agency moving forward. Thank you to our sponsors, Dell Technologies and Four Points Technology. Hello, I'm Maheen Mirza, Sales Director, Federal Healthcare at Dell Technologies. IT leaders in the federal government are increasingly raising issues of infrastructure, legacy communication systems, automation needs, and more, and Dell is listening and acting. As a trusted technology partner of the Department of Veteran Affairs, Dell has worked with CIO Jim Jaffar and other VA leadership to support their mission. During this time of the pandemic, Dell works closely with the leadership at VA on expanding their telehealth and telework capabilities to ensure support of their fourth mission of being the nation's backup healthcare system. This project, which included workforce infrastructure, software, and services, allowed VA employees to rapidly transition and continue operations through remote capability. We're excited to hear from Mr. Jafar during this unique time when the VA's fourth mission is put on display. VA has been at the heart of much of the national response to the current pandemic, its fourth mission having come into focus, especially in terms of what that means for technology. So Jim, thank you for talking with me today about this incredible mission. Absolutely. My pleasure. So what are the core tenets of the VA's fourth mission and how do they apply to this pandemic? Sure. The core tenets are really around the fourth mission in times of national emergency, as the president declared on March 13th, the VA is expected to become the national healthcare system of record. As you probably know, we are the largest integrated healthcare system in the country, uh, approximately uh, 172 medical centers, about 1,200 community-based outpatient clinics in every state. And so with, with that kind of market penetration and exposure across the country and presence, we're really well positioned. You know, on any given day, we're serving about nine and a half million veterans but there's some additional capacity that can be brought to bear. So that's really kind of the constitutional and the national emergency premise around the fourth mission is that we would be prepared to assist. And you can see that as it's it's been done, especially in the Northeast, in some of the state homes, state veteran homes where VA staff, principally Veterans Health Administration staff, have assisted in a number of ways, all the way from testing to with PPE and other kind of services. And then on the the reciprocal side too, the VA and VHA principally, again, 
has taken in civilian patients into our VA medical centers. Not a lot, but uh, again, some, and we're certainly well postured with Dr. Stone and his team's leadership to make sure that they could expand to the maximum extent as required. What distinct assets does the VA provide the nation during times like this? Sure. So it's, you know, you really want to look at our mission essential functions. And of course, the principal one is, especially in a pandemic, is providing that health care. But there also are two other mission essential functions around veterans benefits and providing that support. And then also as national cemeteries, providing burial interment and other types of mortuary support. So again, it's we have that presence in, in every state around major and minor areas. And so it's really the totality of that. There's no other federal agency and no other real commercial entity that has that presence. It's certainly a profound presence. And in addition to that, how is the VA adapting its technical capacities to best serve veterans during this time? Sure. So again, I think as we entered the pandemic, you know, we were reminded that the definition of a black swan event, right? And certainly a once in a century event is something that, you know, some people in their entire lifetime will never see, hopefully not see more than once. And, you know, the definition of the black swan event is that nothing in your prior experience, professionally and personally, has really fully prepared you to address the challenges of the black swan event, in this case, the coronavirus pandemic. You know, when we certainly in the VA, like any other federal agency, exercise and prepare for continuity of operation events. This one, again, had a real unique twist in terms of, you know, the shelter in place and the, uh, you know, substantial remote access, you know, of our workforce and our customer slash patient base. So when you look at those kind of unique circumstances, information technology and technology as a whole really was the savior for this, you know, the ability to, in the case of the VA, triple our remote workforce and be able to leverage that within a matter of less than a few weeks. The ability to really go from a largely on-premise delivery of services in terms of healthcare to having now any given day, there's about 20 plus thousand telehealth appointments that go on. And so again, the almost 400,000 every month or more. So, you know, and then certainly delivery of services, right? You find veterans that maybe were not as digitally attuned, and now they have to do things in terms of their customer experience that's more on va.gov or using My Healthy Vet uh, for prescriptions. So it's really forced everyone to rapidly move to those digital channels. And then for VA and certainly for the Office of Information and Technology, for us to undergird that. And, and this is probably a good point for me to kind of make, you know, the, the point, and I have to remind folks, even in our own office occasionally, it's the Office of Information and Technology, not the Office of Information Technology. And the reason I always point out that distinction is there's a large part and a growing portion of our portfolio where we are delivering information as a service. So an example of that would be the national surveillance tool that we're supporting with VHA so they can track all their relevant healthcare metrics across the entire network. That is all undergirded and supported by our business intelligence services line and using our corporate data warehouse. Certainly our digital experience product office run by our CTO 
and you know everything that we're doing on va.gov and all the other kind of digital direct to patients you know whether it be chatbots to answer questions and allow patients to self-serve on that information but again you know a big portion of ours is not just delivering the infrastructure and supporting remote access and telehealth but it's also on that information component and the delivery of those digital services and channels That's a great point. And I'm not sure many people understand that. So I'm glad you brought that up. As far as some of the challenges that you just mentioned, how are veterans adapting to and using some of the technologies like those that are being used in telehealth services? Yeah, it's a great question, Amy. There's kind of a perception out there that we have certainly a a large portion of our veteran population is an older, you know, I'd say, you know, 60 or older. They want to be as connected as the younger crowd, right? And I, one of my favorite pictures is I was standing in line last year at Reagan National to catch a flight, and here is a 94-year-old World War II Normandy veteran. He was a soldier, and he's in his wheelchair waiting to pre-board with his wife, and there's a smartphone in his hand that he is accessing and manipulating, 94 years old. So, you know, we realize that even our older veterans, especially in some cases our older veterans, They like mobile. We're moving rapidly to mobile platforms and applications. We're certainly doubling down on all of our web-based applications as well. So we're working every conceivable channel in the digital space to meet the veteran where they want to be. Again, information and technology anywhere to anywhere, anytime. Are there any plans to further expand the telehealth capacities? Yes. As I mentioned right now, you know, we're probably delivering about 400,000 appointments a month. We just began a, with our vendors and the telehealth team, a pretty substantial replatforming into a cloud infrastructure. Again, that's another one of the success stories of VA and the pandemic is like a number of federal agencies, although I think we're kind of a leading agency in terms of cloud migration. Given the substantial investments and kind of smarts, if you will, that we've done in cloud migration over the past two years, we are able now to kind of confidently and with a good playbook take the applications, for example, the commercial applications that our VHA telehealth team was using, work with the vendor, work with the telehealth team and say, listen, we understand the constraints of the on-premise tool at our data centers and at the TIC gateways. We know that if we're going to meet and exceed the capacity, and you know, one of the watch phrases for OIT throughout this has been staying ahead of demand. Right. So we're always we always want to make sure that there isn't that latency or performance degradation or that we are some sort of constraint on any of the business lines. And, you know, I I can proudly say for our team that throughout, whether it be remote telehealth, the digital experience, we have stayed ahead of demand. We will always stay ahead of demand. Now, on the flip side of that, the great advantage of the cloud is. As we continue our migration to that environment and supplement you know, our capacity there, we have the ability, as you know and your listeners know, to scale up and down very quickly, right? And so it's not like in an on-premise environment where you we remake all the uh, necessary infrastructure upgrades and then you, know, you bought it, you own it, right? It's, it's much more temporal in the cloud environment and it allows you to scale up and down fast as the customer demands dictate. Certainly sounds like you are ahead of the curve. And some of the things that have also been coming into focus during this pandemic is 3D printing. How has the VA been able to leverage its existing 3D printing network to produce some of that equipment that it's providing? Sure. Yeah. And I think you've seen that worldwide that there's, you know, I I would say that, you know, we're probably at the 
end of the beginning, right, of 3D printing, at least in our environment. And again, it's principally around Veterans Health Administration. And, you know, there's a couple areas, right, in terms of the business proposition. Number one, it really is more for biomedical purposes, right? So they're printing off, in some cases, swabs uh, for testing, some replacement parts for certain devices. There's certain valves and whatever on ventilators and, and other, you know, devices which can be replicated. So it's principally, you know, going to be for that. Again, this is, while well, 3D printing is not new and the VA has certainly been an innovator and Veterans Health Administration in this space, you know, we're just now starting to fully realize, you know, what the possibilities are for that, you know, and OIT's role is really to make sure that as those devices are, you know, fully developed and deployed, of course, they're going to be networked, we need to make sure they have the security and the support and the sustainment going forward so that they can continue to produce the things that the biomedical community is going to want from them. In terms of data analytics and sharing some of that information, how has the VA used it to track the course of the pandemic and inform the leadership on the status of the local hospitals? Yeah, no, and that gets back to, again, our business intelligence service line and their partnership with Veterans Health Administration. You know, early on, the leadership at VHA came to us and said, you know, we really need you to support this. The data that we are able to extract from the corporate data warehouse and again, those various metrics across the medical centers, you know, gave that single source of truth to leadership in D.C. and also across the entire network so that they could make best decisions about, you know, especially in the early days, right? What was their ventilator supply and usage rate? Certainly as the pandemic wore on, you know, the real uh, critical metrics were around personal protective equipment and, and you know, and e even to this day on the VHA Healthcare Operations Center calls, that's kind of a center point is, you know, what types of PPE and what, how many days of supply do they have on hand? And so, again, it's given that single source of truth. It's done it in a very responsive and uh, transparent way, uh, you know, a way that in the past was really relegated more to aggregating data from, you know, kind of asynchronous reporting on a daily basis. So it's really leveraged the power of our corporate data warehouse. I would tell you, too, that on a non-business side and on a non-clinical side in terms of analytics, the other star on the technology side is our group within the IT operations that does performance monitoring as continues to build out our suite of analytics that looks at every day the performance of critical applications and systems. And I know, for example, on telehealth, there have been a number of times where these analytics have been monitoring the performance, both uh, on-premise and in the cloud, and they have signaled ahead of time where configurations were probably going to be needed, you know, load balancing in most cases, to make sure that we were avoiding latency or avoiding outages, right? So again, not just staying ahead of demand, but staying ahead of performance too, right? And, you know, every system at some point kind of reaches critical mass. And so you want that analytical capability to be monitoring the systems and make sure that you're making the right configurations so you're not degrading the system performance. So on a technology side too, the analytics have really proven, you know, at some point it's already become table stakes, but we're having to go back across our entire portfolio of about 800 systems and applications and on a priority basis, you know, make sure that we get monitoring on each and every one of those for the reasons I just laid out, like in the telehealth example. 
Looking back over the past few months, has the VA's experience in adapting to the pandemic and VA's response informed how the agency might respond to future outbreaks? Well, certainly. I mean, there's nothing like a real world event to kind of focus the mind and for people to take it seriously, right? We, as any federal agency, you know, prior to this, you know, we were focused annually around our Eagle Horizon exercise series. And again, you know, looking at both man-made and natural threats and then the various ways we would respond to certain world events. You know, this one certainly focused us a lot more keenly and a lot more from a length standpoint. I mean, you would never, even in a couple-week exercise, be able to derive all the progress and experience that we've gotten out of this. When you look, too, at what we've done, what we're able to provision and do, it's certainly postured the department in a much better sense for any number of contingencies going forward. The other thing, too, is I think our partnership with the administrations, you know, with VHA, with Veteran Benefits, and with the National Cemetery, you know, even early on, we were stress testing at our trusted internet connections at our four gateways to get a true measure of what our capacity was to support a remote workforce. And then, you know, what additional enhancements and improvements we need to make in order to uh, shore that up and expand. Our business partners, the admins, were very patient with us over the series of almost 10 days as we really took the unusual step of stress testing our network. You know, here's an operational network that's in production that has real business traffic flowing back and forth. And we were, you know, again, doing things to it to see where the limitations were. It was creating, you know, some temporary challenges, but our business partners understood, hey, uh, we needed to do that, right? And out of that came the enhancements and the increases that we're able to provide over the subsequent weeks. And 10 days really isn't that long, all considering. No, and we, we were, and, you know, truth be told, too, we were very responsive about it, right? At the point that, you know, and really not to get into too much detail, but essentially we had about 40,000 people pre-COVID that were remote access, and each one of the gateways could handle about right up to that limit. So at the point that we were pushing all the traffic through one gateway to stress test that loan gateway for the day or the multiple days, you know, as we saw the degradation in service and the latency, we would bring on another gateway. It wasn't like they were out of business for a given day. Do you see any of these efforts impacting or shaping some of your tech priorities in the future? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, I think the big one for us is that whole direct to the veteran and that customer experience portion. You know, again, our, our CTO, Charles Worthington, and his digital experience team lead that. Certainly, again, Jack Bates and the business intelligence service line. We're going to have to reinforce and continue on that. I think, you know, while we're doing a lot of good work, you know, here's a recent example. So as part of the social distancing now at some of the VA medical centers, one of the VA medical centers, I believe was in Durham, came up with the idea of having essentially a virtual waiting room so that, you know, almost when you go to some fast food restaurants, you know, you can click a button and you can say, I'm here and essentially check in, whether it's for delivery of fast food, we can do the same thing for healthcare. You can say, hey, I'm in the parking lot, I'm here. And then, you know, the medical centers are building a system around that where they can maintain that safety of clinicians and patients, maintain social distancing. But again, technology is enabling that. So that's something that's literally happening as we're talking. That's an application that's being developed and enhanced, and it's going to go from one VA medical center to a nationwide solution probably in a matter of weeks, you know, like a couple of weeks. So, you know, these are all 
capabilities that our team is able to work with VHA to deliver. And then I, you know, I think it just becomes a matter of, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, you know, we take stock of what we've done. I'm sure there will be some more ideas on what hasn't been done or what could be done and certainly probably circling back and probably standardizing that environment a little more around all these connected care applications, making sure that they're sustained. So I, again, I think we're going to see that ecosystem, you know, kind of get disciplined and consolidated a little bit. And quite certainly there'll be some additional work that we'll have to follow up on coming out of it. Well, Jim, this was certainly fascinating. Um, This is all incredibly important work, and I'm glad to have gotten some more context to everything that we've been seeing over the past few months. And so thanks for talking with me. Absolutely, Amy. Thank you. And uh, it's our pleasure. You know, we we wake up every single day at Office of Information and Technology thinking, how do we support our business lines? And as importantly, how do we how do we help them to support and enable on the right channels, the nine and a half plus million veterans that utilize VA services every day? Thanks again to our sponsors, Dell Technologies and Four Points Technology. I'm Denise Harrison, Chief Information Officer at Four Points Technology. As a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business, we at Four Points are especially proud to be partnering with Dell Technologies on important initiatives with our government partners like the VA. We look forward to continuing to support the critical missions of these agencies and being part of more conversations about the impacts of IT modernization within the federal government. For more information about how we are working with the agencies like the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, visit us at www.fourpoints.com. That's the number four, P-O-I-N-T-S dot com. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. Sponsor at